This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Inside the Tunnel, brought to you by VT Scoop 24-7 Sports. My name is Andrew Alex. Today, couldn't do a flu game. But we have Doug Bowman and Evan Watkins here. Gentlemen, how are you? Better than doing, Matei. Yeah, doing better than Matei, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he couldn't join us tonight. It's not like he's doing anything but sitting on his couch anyways. He's a little under the weather. Didn't want, you know, maybe he's got a raspy voice or something. But, you know, we wish him all the best. Merry Christmas, Matei. We miss you. The unfortunate timing for him because we have officially reached the point in the offseason, you know, just a few weeks in, where Hokie Nation is excited again. <laughs> yeah. Everything is sunshine and rainbows once again. Happy times are here again. Brent Pry and the staff making some moves in the portal, making some moves on the trail. You know, and it all starts at the quarterback position, a position where the incumbent starter was, you know, the recipient of uh, of much ire. We could call him much maligned. Last year around this time, the journey that got us to the incumbent starter, Grant Wells, was one of Virginia Tech fans, you know, throwing the top quarterback names in the portal out there, hoping for the best. None of it materialized and kind of settling for a guy, uh, you know, from that group of five levels somewhere in the middle. This time, it seems like Virginia Tech has gotten one of the top names available, and that's Kyron Drones, former number 17 recruit, according to the 247 rankings, in that 2021 class. Uh, you know, to put it in perspective for you Virginia Tech fans, higher ranked there than uh, – you know, one Demetrius Davis was at the time, and you all seem to be pretty excited for him back in the day. So, Evan Watkins, I'll ask you, how did this materialize? Did this happen overnight? Were there a lot of competitors? And ultimately, do you like the fit? Do you think that Virginia Tech did as well as they realistically could have done? Could they have done better? What are your initial thoughts here? Yeah, when uh, when the sprint to signing day started and, and the transfer portal opened, there were three quarterback names that we heard almost immediately was Kyron Drones, um, Christian Vu out of Penn State, uh, and Jeff Sims out of Georgia Tech. Um, Sims, to me, wasn't clearly uh, a fit. I mean, I've seen enough of him, and I think he's, he's injured fairly often. He's a good quarterback when the time comes when, and when he's healthy, but – he, to me, wasn't really one that I was overly keyed in on. I was really keyed in on Kyron Jones and uh, Christian Vu. Um, and, you know, there there was a lot of assumptions uh, about about Vu and his connection to Pry and his connection to Bowen that he was probably going to be the guy. You know, we've, we've talked about this uh, in the past and on other, other shows that I've been on that it, it really seemed too easy when the news came out that he was going to transfer that everybody seemed to, to, to connect those dots. And then we started to hear a little bit more about drones. Um, you know, I think I broke something maybe a week or so ago that uh, Tyler Bowen was set to fly down to, to Texas and go meet with drones and his, and his dad uh, personally meet him face to face, see how he would fit from a, from a personality standpoint. Um, and just kind of learn more about him, who he is and all of that. So, you know, that materialized further. It got drones on campus for a incredibly hard to be quiet about official visit. Um, so he was on campus for a little while over the weekend and and Virginia Tech just straight up sold him. Um, 
you know, there were, there were about five or six programs that were really competing for him, but I think he fits really well with what Virginia Tech wants to do. And I think it was really important to get a quarterback to commit out of the transfer uh, portal, especially now, because Virginia Tech needs help at wide receiver. We all, we all can see it. Everybody knows it's no secret they need help there. A lot of receivers are were really, really iffy on do I want to hitch my, you know, the rest of my career if you only have one year left or, you know, my chances of, of trying to get to the NFL on Grant Wells after the, the season that he had. So Virginia Tech had to go out and get a quarterback. And, you know, realistically, the three that were in play, I, I think VU or Drones would have fit really well. Um, I watched some, some, some more Baylor film uh, earlier today on Drones. I think, uh, I think he's more mobile than people probably think with his size. He reminds me a little bit of a Gerard Evans, the way that he carries himself. He's not, he may not be as big. At least he didn't look as big on film, um, but he's got a big arm. He can move really well. Um, you know, he, he did a lot of bootlegs. They had him rolling out a lot. He throws well on the run. Looked like he threw a good ball. Now he is kind of untested. Um, but I think realistically, this, this was, you know, a top of the board guy that, we saw Pry and, and Bowen key in on, go visit him, get him to campus, and get him to commit. So I think if anything else, it really shows kind of what Virginia Tech is capable of on the recruiting trail. Now, not every recruitment will be that way. Some of them will last months. Some of them will last years. But, you know, his, uh, his recruitment was pretty quick with the Hokies, and I think they're excited. I think Hokie Nation should be excited. Uh, this spring should be interesting to see the competition, um, you know, between him and, and can Wells take a step forward. Obviously, just looking at it and, and and looking at what he's done in his pedigree and and coming out of high school, I think I think I would pencil in drones. I think a lot of people probably would as being the guy next year. But you can't you can't do that without a competition. You got to have the two guys go out there and compete. So. You know, I think they'll they'll get in there and compete, and some of the young guys will compete. But I expect Drones to be the guy, and I think it's a heck of a pickup for the Hokies. You answered my question before I could ask it, so I guess I'll, I'll lean towards towards Doug on this one. I mean, you know, Drones doesn't have uh, you know a large resume in terms of experience. Came in uh, in relief against West Virginia, uh, seven for fourteen passing a touchdown and an interception at a 24 yards on the ground that game. Otherwise, uh, you know, just a couple of rushing attempts against other big 12 opponents. And then a couple of attempts at a blowout versus Texas state five for seven against Abilene Christian. So not a huge resume. So it's kind of hard to make the assumption that he is immediately going to be the guy, but for where we stand right now, Doug, if you had to, place a, a wager on it would you and i guess this can go to both of you grant wells is a guy who's started now three years collegiately is he going to stick around knowing that the replacement is in-house is he not you know one who could enter the portal this week uh on wells i would say that um whenever your school brings in another quarterback who is clearly is you know high potential and um what like like drones is i would i i would park wells now in the camp of i'm not i would i would not be surprised um now i can also see a scenario where the the the, the job is open heading into the spring where Virginia Tech has been communicating with him about that, and certainly, um, perhaps Wells understands that and is ready to ready to see what happens in the spring. Maybe after the spring, I could then see him, depending on the result of the competition, entering the portal. But I also, um, you know, he's a guy that um, has has been at the G five level now, started three years. Um, you know, maybe he sticks around. I don't know about, I don't know about an immediate entry, but uh, it's, it certainly seems like 
Tech found the the guy that they want to at least compete with him. And um, I don't think that number number one Jones is looking for looking to be the a first string quarterback somewhere. He's looking to be quarterback one. Um, he could have stayed at Baylor and been quarterback two. Um, so I I don't think that he would have been interested in Virginia Tech if they had told him or if they hadn't told him that he had a very good chance to be the starting quarterback um, in 2023. Um, and I don't think he would have been interested in Virginia tech if that, if, if they told him anything different. So um, I would definitely lean towards drones being the starter. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, he's going to be going into year three um, as a collegiate quarterback played at Baylor, who's been a pretty good offense over the last um, two years under under Jeff Grimes, who was one time Virginia Tech offensive line coach, um, so you know this this is a high potential play for Virginia Tech to try and get a long term starter at quarterback in in a guy like Drones, um, and you know I think it's as good as any 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 option out there. Um, there's always going to be, you know, there's always going to be the guys that didn't pan out or were quote unquote busts that maybe you don't want to take a, take a shot on this drones. Is not that he was, you know, he's a red shirt freshman who is stuck behind pretty good quarterback at Baylor. They've recruited a guy behind him, So he just is ready to try and go be a quarter, uh, you know, a first string quarterback. I, th- I think that's the kind of guy that a program like for Gene tech is going to, is good. if you're in the market for a quarterback, that's who you're going to have to get because you're not going to get the top flight, you know, Jalen Hurts level transfer. But um, if you have if you have a starting position available, a ton of snaps, um, and, and can kind of connect with him, like I think Tyler Bowen obviously did, um, then he's then he's kind of the prototype for for adding potential to the quarterback room. Yeah, and, and absolutely. And if you're drones, you know, as someone who, you know, you assume he feels like he's worthy of that action. And if the offensive staff's philosophy, you know, matches up with what you think would bring the most out of your potential and the kind of quarterback in the kind of system that you want to play in, Virginia Tech represents an opportunity. Because it's a power five school with a quarterback job that is uh, wide open, right for the pickets. I have to believe that they were pretty clear that it was like you you've got a pretty good chance. The conversation doesn't get far. Like, well, we're gonna have you, you know, it's gonna be tough for you to to uh, to beat out Wells here. Like, I think it's kind of the writing's on the wall here. Yeah, no, it's certainly. you know, it, it doesn't materialize that quickly in that scenario. Let's be honest. Like, and that's the nature of the transfer portal, especially at the uh, the quarterback position. A lot of talented kids out there, a lot of kids who are, you know, highly touted recruits, and they all want to play. And there's only so many Power 5 opportunities out there uh, that are a sure thing. So for Kyron Jones, you know, the chance to be QB1, out the gate at Virginia Tech next year. And, uh, you know, something that to look at the transfer ratings as a Virginia Tech fan and see the number six guy on that board come in, you know, it, it, it's exciting. And a guy with a lot of eligibility left, too. A guy who can grow within the system. And if he ultimately reaches that potential, develop. Because what Virginia Tech hasn't had over the course of the last few years, someone who is consistently been that starter, consistently been that guy. And I know we can rewind to a year ago and say say the same thing about Wells potentially. And Oh, uh, I thought I was gonna rewind the back to 2019 when Hendon Hooker was the guy. But we can, yeah. we don't have to go down that road. We don't we don't need to go down that road. <laughs> we had the guy, we let the guy go. We let the guy who let the guy go go. And here we are. Coming off a three win season. But nonetheless, more on the quarterback position here, Evan. Uh a big flip, a big flip on Sunday night. William Watson the third says no to what many would consider to be the opportunity of a lifetime. 
be the quarterback of the University of Nebraska. Committed. Are many people, you and Doug? Yeah. I tell you, Rule is on the hot two. seat. He's he's. I don't know if Rule's going to get it done there. Watson, obviously, he committed to Scott Frost and the previous staff. Uh, those guys are all gone. An opportunity for Virginia Tech, and they capitalize on it. Did this materialize as quickly? And, I mean, obviously, probably not as quickly as we saw with drones. But you know, what what did that process look like to get William Watson in the door in Blacksburg? Oh yeah, to get. Uh, to get Pop, that's his nickname, Pop Watson. Uh, Virginia Tech recruited him for actually a, a pretty long time. Um, for a while, he wasn't overly interested because he was set with Nebraska. Um, he had a really deep connection with uh, the former, I believe, quarterback coach that was up there. Uh, so it was kind of like one of those things when the coaching change happened of, okay, I'm going to listen, but I'm still sticking with Nebraska kind of kind of deal. Um, when when Matt Rule was hired, we kind of heard, you know, he's probably not going to take any officials. He's he's said, I mean, they they like him. They want to sign him because that's always a, a question you have is when a coaching change happens is is if you're a commit, are they going to sign me? Right. Or are they going to drop me? They from everything we heard, they were ready to sign him. Um, and Virginia Tech uh, quietly, surprisingly, got him on an official. Um, got him around a lot of the guys that were already committed. And uh, Saturday night, after they took pictures on the field, they went up to have dinner at Lane Stadium, and he committed. Um, and kind of there, there was there was three that happened that night. Um, and a lot of people were kind of watching, from what I understand, were watching him while he was there. Um, and, and I think an interesting note, I posted this on the site the other day, is Dylan Whitkey was also on campus, who's a quarterback and committed to Virginia Tech. And I was told that Whitkey was kind of urging him to commit, you know, telling him to come on. You know, they, I guess they, they connected and, and wanted uh, there's going to be a, a healthy battle between the two incoming freshmen as well uh, for a potential job in the future. So, you know, he was he was a big a big flip. I mean, if he was. He was six, two, six, three. He'd be, you know, a very, very highly sought after recruit, but he's not overly big. Um, so when you watch him on film and you think, man, he's small, he is. Um, but he is uh, elusive. He's got a pretty big arm. You can tell he's been coached really well. I don't know who his quarterback trainer is, um, but he's been coached extremely well. Got a good release. Seems to be a RPO type of dual threat guy. Um, and I think that he can be, he can be a very productive college football player. Um, so, you know, when, when they were recruiting him, they actually got him on campus this fall for a game. Um, and he got around guys like Kevin Jones and some of the other guys that come through Virginia Tech and learned more about Virginia Tech and kind of the brotherhood and kind of Virginia Tech was the only other school that was in this. So by getting him on campus, it was kind of like, okay, he's he's there. He's probably going to flip because why would he show up? You know, like why else would he be here? So, you know, I think that it was one of those things that once we found out, I said that this was the biggest surprise of the weekend for me. Once we found out he was there, it wasn't a surprise, but it was it was a surprise to me. He even showed up. I thought he was set with Nebraska and was going to sign with them and, and competed out down the road to be a, the Cornhuskers quarterback that you all could debate about for years. Uh, but instead, he'll be uh, at Virginia Tech, so we get to cover him. So that's exciting. Speaking of guys who committed over the weekend, Aiden Green, number 16 recruit in the state of Tennessee, a wide receiver. Guy who was committed to Cincinnati as recently as a few weeks ago. Obviously, Luke Fickle now out the door, and that presents an opportunity. Number one, how'd this go down? And number two, based on what you've seen, is this perhaps a true freshman that we could see getting meaningful playing time in a Virginia Tech receiving core that, quite frankly, there's snaps available right now? Yeah, you know, I think Aiden Green's the type of guy that could come in and play right away. Um, and I'm sure the coaching staff told him that. This was a prime opportunity of Virginia Tech capturing momentum during a coaching transition. And, you know, when the when Luke Fickle left Cincinnati, 
it led to Aiden Green decommitting. And when he committed there, he was actually scheduled to visit Virginia Tech, like, I want to say like 10 days later for an official over the summer. So he committed to Cincinnati and canceled all of his other officials, including the one to Virginia Tech. So when he decommitted, Virginia Tech was really quick to pounce on him and say, hey, you haven't taken your official here. We'd love to host you in December. You know, let's lock in a visit. Let's get you on campus. So, you know, that that kind of materialized from there pretty quickly. And he, going into December, said Virginia Tech was the only official he had scheduled. He wasn't really sure if he was going to take any others or not. Um, and that was the first sign for me that Virginia Tech was very much in this recruitment for him. Um, now, if Luke Fickle had stayed at Cincinnati, this recruitment wouldn't have wouldn't have gone this way. Um, but that him leaving opened up that door for Green to be able to look around. And while Virginia Tech was the second choice the first time around, getting him back on campus, getting him uh, around the guys, getting him around the coaching staff, and letting them realize you could come in and, and play right away and you could be an instant impact player in this offense. Um, explain the type of offense that they want to be running more of next year, more of an RPO type of offense. So, you know, I think it really sold him. Um, and and it was it was good to get him to commit and get him to announce it, right? We've seen in the past where kids have come to campus and committed to the staff and then, oh, I'm going to announce on signing day. Well, that gives you a whole nother weekend of official visits that you could potentially take without without announcing a commitment. Um, now, that doesn't mean he couldn't visit somebody if he wanted to over the weekend. Being verbally committed doesn't bind you to anything, but it does make it a little bit more solid. So, you know, I think it was just the perfect opportunity at the right time. And and credit to Fontel Mines and Sean Quinn for really capitalizing on the coaching change, getting in there and getting a dynamic guy that that I think has a really bright future. On the high school trail, any more big splashes to come from what you're hearing? Any names to look out for? Are we done? Is this the end of the wave or is perhaps the wave just getting started? I don't think they're done at the high school level. I still expect them to sign a few more high school guys. Um, the big one that a lot of people are watching right now is KV on keys. who was just on campus for an official um, out of, uh, out of Verina in Richmond, four-star linebacker. It's, it's one of those things right now where Penn state had a huge lead going in. I think Virginia Tech did well and cut into that lead, but I'm not sold that they did enough to, to overtake it. So, you know, right now, if he makes his decision in the near future, I think Penn State is the team to beat. Um, now, if he if he decides to postpone, we've heard that a little bit that uh, Virginia Tech has said, you know, if you're going to if you're not coming here in December, postpone and give us more time to recruit you. Um, if he postpones, I like where Virginia Tech sits a little bit better. I know that's backwards. Uh, I had to explain a little bit of this on the site the other day, but I think that's a little bit backwards from what it usually is. Usually a kid visits and says, oh, if I'm going to make a decision this week, you feel good about where they just left. In this situation, though, I think Penn State had such a lead that Virginia Tech would have had to have the best of the best visit to overtake them. I think it was a good visit. I think he saw a lot. He brought his boys with him. Um, they all got, you know, they were on unofficials. They're both 2024 recruits that Virginia Tech is after and have offers. Um, he got the red carpet treatment. He got around the staff and the players. And I think it was a really good visit. I think Penn State just had a leg up. Um, so if he's going to announce soon, I think he's going to Penn State. If he delays until February, I think that could get a little bit interesting. It gives it gives every school an opportunity to get in there and maybe spin his head a little bit right now, though, I think Penn state's the one uh, that we're kind of watching there with his recruitment. Um, outside of that, you know, you still have guys like Elijah Hughes that are out there that Virginia tech is in the top group. Uh, the USC Trojans are in there. He obviously coveted the Stanford offer, but with their transition going on, I'm not sure where things stand with him. And there's some other guys that are still out. One guy that, that Virginia Tech will go see on Wednesday of this week is Ezekiel Wimbush um, out of Stonebridge, a very under-the-radar type of guy. He's committed to Charlotte right now. He's gotten some P5 interest. I think Virginia Tech would be a school that could do that could benefit really well, and he fits their system. 
He's a guy that's about 6'2", maybe 6'3", 220 pounds. Reminds me, plays quarterback for him sometimes, and reminds me of Brandon Hillman, the way he plays and the way he runs at the quarterback position. But he also plays wide receiver and like a hybrid type of tight end. And he moves kind of like a Daquan Wright does. Now, I don't know if he's as athletic as that, as either of those two guys. But I think he's a guy that fits that, that mold that could be a tight end at Virginia Tech in their type of system. Maybe be more of a slot guy like Daquan Wright is, not a true tight end. But he's one that I'm watching as well. Brent Pry's going to see him. So it's not just some members of the staff. The head coach is going to go see him on Wednesday. Uh, so I'm watching that one to see if a potential offer comes out. Back to the wide receiver position, back to the transfer portal, and back to a fourth quarter that uh, you know might bring back some bad memories for Hokie Nation. The opponent, Old Dominion. The result, a loss. One of the main culprits, Ali Jennings III, former West Virginia wide receiver, transfers to Old Dominion, recruited by a wide receivers coach by the name of Fontel Mines. Now, after two extremely productive seasons in Norfolk, he's coming home. Highland Springs product committed, despite some really solid other offers. Sticks with this guy, Fontel Mines. He's coming back to Virginia Tech, where on paper right now, he's the clear number one wide receiver. Was this as easy as it looked, Evan? And with Jennings, it's like, all right, so you end up in a situation where you get him and it seems like he's going to be in that Caleb Smith role, the clear number one receiver. Is there anything else coming in the door? Have you heard anything? Yeah, you know, when when you look at Jennings, and I want to say with one of the things that you said, I want to underline that, stamp it, put it in bold, highlight it. Highland Springs product. This Highland Springs to Virginia Tech pipeline connection that they used to have, it's coming back, right? Like this is this is important to note that Fontel Mines has really gotten in there with uh, with LJ and been able to open up that pipeline back to Virginia Tech, where Highland Springs guys used to not, you know, for a while they all came to Virginia Tech because their whole staff is Virginia Tech guys. Then for a while, it all kind of stopped, and a bunch of their guys were leaving the state and going elsewhere. Now it seems like if it's a kid coming out of Highland Springs, you know in that school, Virginia Tech is very well represented. The roster of Virginia Tech is represented, and these are guys that are going to get serious playing time. So I think uh, I think that's super important to note with Ollie Jennings. But, you know, when he entered, I think I texted – I may have texted you all when he entered – watch out for VT, right? Because obviously he has a deep connection to Fontel Mines. Like we we heard about it during the ODU week to start off the season and when Fontel was hired. These two go back really far. Like they have a really good relationship. Um so I think that that was really kind of the easiest dots to to follow. Um but it, I don't think it was as open and shut as people probably think. Um you know one of the big questions that uh that Jennings had was who's going to be the quarterback because he's one of these guys that wants to take one year and jump to the NFL show he can do it at the top level he was at the P5 level once didn't have the greatest of of experiences at West Virginia and dropped down to ODU then had 2,000 yards in two years at ODU and probably could get drafted out of ODU Uh, wants to showcase that he can do it at the P5 level so um, he wanted to know who's going to be his signal caller. When when word started coming about drones, I think the staff probably leaked to him what was going on and what opportunities they were looking at in the transfer portal as far as quarterbacks. I think that kind of sealed it, you know, getting him back on campus, getting him around some guys, um, and and just letting him see that he could come to Virginia Tech and replace that number one role. He could step into where Caleb Smith is in the portal um, and and could be leaving Virginia Tech. Could also come back. We always have he always has that option. But I would lean heavily to him leaving Virginia Tech, and Ali Jennings can be that next guy. So 
you know, I think that that was a, that's a big pickup for Virginia Tech and for the offense to go out and get a top tier uh, transfer like Jennings. And then, you know, after that, Virginia Tech is still targeting wide receivers. Um, Abdul Jana is visiting this weekend. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Quan Felton. He's another one of those guys that you could kind of connect the dots. He's at Norfolk State. He's, he's from the 757. He's got some ties to some of the guys on staff. There's some guys that were at Norfolk State that had ties to Virginia Tech. So that's another one you could probably dot some, you know, follow some dots to. Um, right now, I'm not sure when Felton is, what his timeline is or when he's going to get on campus, but Abdul Jana is going to visit this upcoming weekend, and he he seems pretty excited about Virginia Tech as well. So I don't think they're done in the transfer portal either. I think we'll see uh, we'll see a little bit more action there, and then I expect we'll see some some guys leave Virginia Tech to open up space, probably early in the spring semester. You know, you you come in, you have a day, enter the portal, and you get to stay on that scholarship for a semester. Locks you in there, especially if you're a May graduate. You go from transferring now as an undergrad to transferring in May as a graduate. That makes a big difference. Um, as in terms of uh, of immediate eligibility and things like that. Uh, and then you'll have some guys that leave after the spring. So I expect the Hokies to oversign. They really need to. They need to flip the roster. Uh, and I think this is the best and the fastest way to do it. So two huge pickups out of the portal, three really good pickups out of high school over the last uh, weekend. And, and I don't think they're done. I think we'll see a little bit more action before December 21st. Any chance that Caleb Smith returns? Because the Richmond-based duo of Smith and Jennings, it seems appealing. I know a lot of the time, you know, and Justin Fuente said it especially, uh, once you're out, you're out. Which, you know, technically you no longer have to honor that scholarship. But at the same time, Caleb Smith has done a lot for this program. Surely always welcome back at Virginia Tech. Are there any rumblings there, or is it a lost cause at this point? Yeah, I mean, Virginia Tech is recruiting him to come back from all that I've heard. I don't think it's uh, you enter and you can't come back. I think that's on a player-by-player basis. Um, and I think Virginia Tech, just like they did under Justin Fuente, people people never really like to talk about what, you know, some of the good that he did. Virginia Tech will help guys that enter the portal find another home. That's what they use their coaching trees for. They use their connections for, and they help find you a better playing opportunity if that's what you want. Pry is doing that currently for some players, just like Fuente did when players were leaving under him. So, you know, if if Caleb Smith decides to leave, I think he's got a Notre Dame official coming up, obviously got some big opportunities there. If he does leave, I think he's got an opportunity to to show in one year that, you know, he could probably be a fringe NFL guy, maybe even better than that. You know, I don't know that we've really scratched the surface of what he is. But if you if you look at his career at Virginia Tech, man, he went from turning down scholarships at at UVA and Wake Forest to walk on at Virginia Tech to earn a scholarship to become a captain. He's kind of your feel good story of of Virginia Tech and their their walk on history. He's a he's a great example of it. And I think if he wants to come back, I don't think the coaching staff would ever in any world say no to him. Um, it's really just up to him and his his opportunity. Now that Drones is, is is coming to Virginia Tech, maybe he thinks, hey, maybe it's going to be a completely different offense. Maybe now that Jennings is in, he thinks uh, he'll have some help out there. He's not just the only guy getting thrown the ball in triple coverage. Um, you know, maybe uh, maybe he maybe he does rethink it a little bit. I don't know where his head's at. I haven't talked to Caleb since he entered the portal, um, but I do know that, you know, it's it's a very strong hunch. If he wants to come back, I don't see any way that the Virginia Tech staff tells him no. Doug, with Jennings coming in, how do you feel about the receiving core as a whole right now? As a whole, they need another piece, maybe two. Um, Jennings is definitely fills fills a void at the top of the depth chart. Probably a number one guy. Um, I think Tech would love to add another another guy with his kind of production level. Um, he's a you know, the caveat of production coming against largely G five competition is there. Um, you know, he's a 
he's kind of similar to Jaden Blue coming in last year. Um, although, although although Blue hadn't been that productive in a couple years. So, I mean, those kind of players, you just have to keep taking swings at them. Like, you, there's no way to, to turn them down because, like, Jaden Blue wasn't productive or, or because you don't think that that they can translate at, at, at the P5 level. Like, he... <laughs> He had was sixty two catches two years ago, fifty four this year, and just nine games. Um, if you ha- if you have an opportunity to add that kind of player, you do it every time and and hope for the best. So I think I think he fits in as one of the top two receivers. I think they definitely need to you know whether it's Caleb Smith coming back or someone else. Um, I think they're looking to add another piece to avoid putting all the pressure probably on Dewan Lofton there to step up into a bigger role than, 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 um, than maybe he's proven definitely ready for, you know, in the transfer portal age, there's no reason to, you don't wait and hope for development from a guy that, you know, that, that, that hasn't yet shown it. If you have an opportunity to upgrade above them, you go ahead and take it. So I think that's what Virginia tech needs to do at receiver. Um, Certainly drones, getting drones on board. I mean, I think that was a – you have to give the coaching staff a ton of credit there for that kind of balance where you're you're recruiting drones without any wide receiver help and you're recruiting Jennings without any quarterback answers for them. Um, and, and to kind of – to get that combination deal done um, and have both players, you know, they committed within a couple hours of each other publicly i think i think to have them both players get on the same page like that um is a is a is a it's definitely a solid job by the coaching staff um given that neither of them were on the team <laughs> we're, we're 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 sure things so i i think overall there's probably a little better story to tell for virginia tech with drones on board to wide receivers um and we'll see if they can they can uh they can capitalize to add another piece or two. I think you feel feel much better with like a a Jennings, someone or somewhere around Caleb Smith's level, and then and then you're and then you're looking at Lofton as your your third receiver, um, and and then the guys behind him as like uh, nice to haves as um, you know as guys that you don't necessarily have to count on to be you know one of your top receivers next year. If they if they develop that way, you know, if Duan if Duan Lofton's light turns on fully bright, um, going into his third year, then then great. Uh, but certainly, you're adding pieces that makes that a uh, a luxury, I'd say. Evan, I know you're pressed for time here, but before we let you go, uh, big question, big name circulated around Virginia Tech with Tony Grimes. Coming to campus, got a lot of big-time suitor. Brushed over Virginia Tech the first time around. Legitimate shot. Do fans have the right to get their hopes up? Legitimate shot, I think yes. Um, Tony, I, I mentioned this when he entered the portal. Tony wants a place that runs man-to-man. He wants a place where he can be put on an island. He doesn't want to run a lot of zone. And he wants to showcase that he can be an NFL DB with versatility. Um, he's already shown what he could do at UNC. He's played in that system. He wants to come somewhere where he can show the other side that he's a technical DB that can play in any system. Um, he's definitely got some big suitors. He was just at, at Oregon. He's just at Texas A&M. Um, he's going out to see the USC Trojans. And then there's some other uh, some other programs that I think he's planning to see as well. But he is coming to to, to Virginia Tech. He'll be there uh, on Wednesday. So I think it's huge that Virginia Tech can get him on campus. Um, Tony's a guy most people have probably followed him and, and heard about his dad on social media and, and his whole um, support system. One thing that's really big to them, I've been I, I've known. I've known Tony's dad, Dion, um, and I've known Tony since he was probably in eighth grade. So I've known these guys for a really long time. Um, 
while they may not come out and publicly say it, Dion's going to want to be at all of his kids' games. I mean, he's been at all the UNC ones. He loves to be there in person. He's the world's biggest cheerleader dad of Tony, and, and that's fantastic for him. Um, he's going to want to be at the games. I think proximity at the end of the day might come into play. Um, and, and I think, you know, when you go down the list of what Tony wants, I think you can easily make an argument that Virginia Tech does offer it. Do they have enough juice to land him? That's kind of TBD right now. The Virginia Tech's got a good defensive backs coach. They've got uh, Chris Marv, who I think has grown as a DC. And when you get in a room with him, Marv can speak very well, very, very, um, very gifted in the way that he speaks and translates to uh, to players. And he's very good with X's and O's. I think that, you know, when you sit down and you're a transfer with guys like that, I think that resonates with you. This is a business decision for them. This isn't a glitz and glam and, and give me all the NIL money you have and, you know, put me out on the, uh, you know, with all the stars and do this and do that. You know, kind of to steal from Dion, uh, Dion Sanders, I don't think Tony is worried about NIL. He's worried about NFL. That's his main goal. I think Virginia Tech checks some boxes, but they got to have the juices to land him. There has been a rejuvenation in Hampton Roads since Pry has been there uh, about Virginia Tech. Um, there's been a lot of positivity. Now, they're not going to land everybody. They haven't had a chance to land everybody. They just lost Brandon Hillman. They've lost Jordan Bass. But I'm telling you that the coaches in the area are speaking much, much more excitement about Virginia Tech than they have in the past. Um, and I think that's a big thing. I think Tony can see that he's got friends um, that are in Blacksburg. Uh, obviously, his family can see him play. I think that on paper, it's a really good fit for him. And I think Virginia Tech is is firmly in on his table. I think they're firmly in the mix right now. Just do they have the juices to land a player of his caliber? Clearly, you know, a, a former five-star a very talented football player, very, very good person. I think from a culture standpoint, he'll fit in with Pry on his visit really well. And I think that uh, they'll hit it off really well. He's a really genuine guy. Um, just do they have the juices to land him for a year and send him to the NFL? I'm not sure yet. But I do think that there is reason to be optimistic that he's taking the visit and reason to be optimistic that Virginia Tech, at the minimum, has an opportunity to land a player of his caliber. I think it speaks to Pry. I think it speaks to the recruit staff uh, and, and the defensive coaching staff that even a, that a player that talented, yes, it's an in-state school, would take the time out to come visit. Um, so we'll see what happens. I think that there is reason to have some optimism, but I mean, until that, until the 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 paper is signed. I think we just kind of sit back and see where this one goes. All right, gentlemen, that should, uh, you know, about wrap it up for us. But I, I guess my final question would be, and Evan, based on everything you just said, I feel like I know where you're going to go with this. Are we seeing the progress that we were looking for? Because Brent Pry, you know, in large part, was hired here to undo the recruiting was that we saw at the end of the Justin Fuente era on the high school level and to some degree on the transfer level, because I think that Justin Fuente did a pretty good job at the transfer portal. Are we seeing that? Is this a step in the right direction that can allow everyone to, to some degree, exhale after the season we saw in year one? You know, I think I think when Brent Pry got here, he got to Virginia Tech, and I think he sat down with his recruit staff and he sat down with the coaching staff and laid out a foundation. And this is not a, a clean and easy, uh, you know, rebuild. This was a, a tear it down to the studs. Uh, and we're going to take some some big lumps. Now, some of those were self in, in, in uh, you know, self-imposed. There were some coaching mistakes, and and I think that uh, if we've seen anything from Pry in the last year, he's 
quick to hold himself accountable. So I think we've seen that. That this is this was a you know we're looking at a multi-year rebuild here, but the first thing that he wanted to do was rebuild the recruiting footprint. So we've seen a couple players in Southwest Virginia, you know, rebuilding those roots, rebuilding those uh, connections that maybe would have looked to go out of state, and you think how, or or maybe even go to like a, like a Virginia. And you think, how did the player in, our, in, in, in Virginia Tech's own backyard leave uh, and not go to him? How did Virginia Tech not have interest in him? Um, so we've seen, we've seen Virginia Tech, uh, you know, continue to, to grow their roots in Southwest Virginia. Uh, we've seen Virginia Tech really start to grow a little bit in the Richmond area. Like I mentioned earlier, Highland Springs is huge. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think they've gotten some dynamic players out of Richmond. I think taking Jeremiah Coney was smart out of Hermitage because that's a program that's going to continue to turn out some players. Um, so getting him uh, out of there is a smart move to make right before signing day and flipping him from App State. You know, the 757, I've said from the beginning, they're going to be the last. Um, they're very much a show me something area. Living here, I feel like I can speak on that pretty well. They're going to want to see Virginia Tech win football games. Um, before they're going to start sending a lot of their kids, uh, their kids to Virginia, to Virginia Tech. Obviously, it's a hotbed of talent, um, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta show me something. You gotta show me you got the pedigree, you got the the campus, you've got the academics, and you go out there and the product you put on the field wasn't great. So they want to see something, see some more improvement. Um, and Northern Virginia is going to be a battle every year. It's going to be a battle between Penn State. Maryland, Virginia Tech, and then you'll have your elite guys um, that might be looking at more of like a Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan recruits the area, obviously Virginia recruits the area with some of the private schools up there as well. So, uh, you know, Northern Virginia will will probably maybe next cycle is where I'm looking at Northern Virginia to start to turn just a little bit more towards Virginia Tech. They got a couple really big opportunities up there to go and go and grab some guys. So, you know, I think that we're seeing everything that Price set out to do on the recruiting trail. Now he hasn't landed everybody he wanted. He's had misses. He's had faults. I get that. Everybody should understand that. But I think if you were to look at what he wanted day one to what he's had now, just over a year later, I think that you could clearly see his foundation is working and what he wants to accomplish is working. It's going to take time to grow organically, but I think that he has done a really good job of prioritizing the footprint and re-energizing the fan base and re-energizing the, the high school coaches in the area, taking key transfers that have ties to the state that may want to come back in and, you know, like a guy like Ali Jennings, represent your state, play one year, try to make it to the league. Um, obviously, Kyron Jones is a huge pickup for him, and if he can land a few more guys out of the transfer portal, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna put a different product out on the field next year, and that's gonna really help push along those that are maybe still in the show me something phase. But I think his foundation is is definitely being built right now. Doug, any final thoughts before we jump off here? I guess I'll just touch on that. Um, as far as progress, I think there's definitely more momentum than there would have been last year. I mean, just because there had to be. And, and, you know, that's, you know, Justin Fuente still closed Ramon Brown there in the worst of times when it was, you know, far off that he wasn't going to be the head coach. So um, I, I think they've got a good, like like Evan was talking about, I think they've got a good foundation. I think a lot of what, that there's a ton of pressure on the 2024 class being a highly, a, a more top-heavy class. I, I think they've done a great job here recently. You look at Aiden Green and and Pop Watson. Two commitments landed this week. Two of their top four recruits um, on the commitment list. Uh, that that those are the kind of players you're looking to add at this point of the point of the cycle. Um, and, and I think I think 2024. That's the class that you know. That's the first class that Pry is really going to have a chance with given where he stepped on um where he where he stepped into the process last year um so to me it's all on that 
and what you can and what momentum you can build towards that class and 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 turn making that you know part, the best the best recruiting class Virginia Tech has had since you know the the early Fuente days um maybe even more than that um so so I think that's the big question now they've got a they've got a lot of a lot of intriguing players but I don't think that's any different than than most three-star heavy classes so um jury's still out i i do think that the, the the transfer portal the transfer portal additions give them a chance to um one be better next year they don't have to be a ton better um to show that progress that we're talking about like you know if kyron drones is a starting quarterback and looks pretty good and wins six or seven games next year like there's your momentum building growing with him um you know, with him having two years of eligibility left. So um, as any, I feel like any head coach one year in off a three and nine year recruiting decently um, and landing, you know, a four-star guy quarterback out of the portal and a, and a, and an upgraded receiver, you have to feel good about that. There's still plenty of holes throughout the rest of the roster where, um, the quick fix isn't in. You know they still need help at offensive on the offensive line. Still need help depth at defensive line, defensive end, top end talent, defensive tackle. They need another piece there. So there's a lot of holes throughout the rest of the roster that at this stage, you know, you, this stage you're hoping for improvement and hoping to build towards, you know. Number one, a big class in 2024, and then setting setting up kind of that 2024, 2025 year for the kind of that big boost for Virginia Tech again. It could mean a lot. Yeah, Kyron Jones really could be that foundational piece that skyrockets the Brett Pry era into where many fans and, of course, the staff itself believes it can go. Or who knows? sitting here a year later from now asking all the same questions. That's the thing with quarterbacks. Like the difference between a Grant, Le- Grant Wells level quarterback and a, a a top flight quarterback can just change your program immediately. Like like I was talking about earlier with Jennings, like you just keep swinging and, and you know, eventually you'll hit. And that's that's all you can do. And you you may land a guy that's the same level of quarterback as Grant Wells, and you just win as many games as you would have won with him, and so be it. But then every once in a while, you find a guy that you could ride to nine, ten win seasons for a couple years, and then you're off and running. So, you know, keep swinging. Tennessee certainly did. VT Scoop, 24-7 Sports. Get your VIP subscription, folks. It's uh, incredibly Incredibly important to do that as soon as possible because this is the time the transfer portal's rolling, early signing day coming up. Of course, that extends all the way to February. And then you can listen to Doug come up with his theories, postulate for nine months <laughs> in 2020. God, I can't wait. I can't wait for that period of the offseason. Everything in the pre-game preview area. <laughs> you don't want to miss it. Evan Watkins, Doug Bowman, in his absence, Matei Sis. And I'm Andrew Alex. Thanks for listening. We'll talk about Nebraska next time. Sorry, <laughs> ran long, as always. Go hook.